welcome to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. Well, I know that you've been eagerly awaiting for this third and final episode in our series on how corporate security practices are affecting our experience as workers, especially as we look at the experience of remote workers and those that are moving into the hybrid office. Now, as you may recall, in part one of this series, Mark Pesci, the host of the Next Billion Seconds podcast, chatted with Leon Sayers of Unisys to analyze the gaps that exist between what enterprises are expecting regarding security and what remote workers are actually doing regarding securing their remote office. Then in part two, you heard from Gargana Windsor. There, Mark Pesci interviewed her as the industry director of cybersecurity for the Asia Pacific region at Unisys, as she highlighted how we can bridge those security gaps that Leon talked about in episode one. Specifically, she talked about the importance of training the employees, especially about their role in securing the hybrid office. Both of those episodes drew from insights that we extracted from the very latest Unisys Security Index survey. Now that's a survey we've conducted for the last 15 years, making it the longest running such survey in the industry. Well, now for episode three, Mark Pesci interviews David Chadwick, the Global Director of Identity and Biometrics at Unisys, about what we can expect in the very near future regarding the use of biometrics. Let's listen in to Mark and David's conversation. Privacy and security, these are always going to be grinding against one another. We can see this when we look all the way back across the 15 years of the Unisys Security Index. You see biometrics, you see scans, you see QR codes, you see electronic wallets. All of them, when they've been introduced, they come charged with this fear of the new. And, you know, it's all pretty normal going these days because we need to prove ourselves to one another in ways and at scale that we have never needed to before. There is a big link between trust and what people are willing to do or the information that they're prepared to reveal about themselves. And sometimes you need a significant event, a disruption to force that sort of change. Well, we've had that change. So, what happens next? Where do we need to build trust? Now, to help us answer those questions is David Chadwick, Global Director for Identity and Biometrics at Unisys. Welcome, David. Thanks very much for having us here, Mark. So my first question, this focus on biometrics, that we need to prove that we're safe to breathe the same air, is this the new normal? <laughs> Well, that's an interesting question. And yeah, biometrics uh, biometrics is the, the new term and everyone's focusing on biometrics, but it, it's not new, as you know. You know some of the mm. key advances that we've made around this, think SmartGate, Australia led the way in border crossings using mm. biometrics right back in 2007. The first iPhone used fingerprints in 2013. And as you said, new and exciting then, now completely and utterly commonplace. But it's actually not about biometrics. It's about identity and it's about figuring out who you are according to the level of risk that the transaction is going to incur. So, you know, if you think about you go to get a coffee and they say, uh, can I have a name for the order? David. Yeah. They don't care that I'm David. They just need to be able to deliver the service. Think about getting a passport. Well, actually, they're going to make me jump through a lot of hoops yep. to figure out who I am because the reputation of Australia relies on the, the sanctity of that passport. So when, we, when we're talking about 
biometrics. We're actually just talking about at what point and to what level do I need to establish that I am, for example, David Chadwick. And that's out in uh, border crossings, that's interactions with government, and it's in the workplace as well. There's three different ways that I can establish who I am. Something Mm. that I have, my pass. So I turn up at work and I swipe with my pass, and that's actually a form of credential that says I'm David Chadwick. You could pick it up and get into the building just as easily as me. There's something that we know, the username and password, the PIN code, et cetera. But then there's something that we are the biometrics. And we we talk about computer biometrics and and computer-based recognition, but we forget that actually we do it with the person as well. So when I use my swipe card and walk into the Unisys office, the people there will say, g'day, Dave. It's actually facial recognition. (laughs) Uh, It's the old old type of facial recognition. (laughs) And it's that in-place authentication that takes place whenever I walk into the office. So now we've got to figure out how to do that at home. And that's where, as you've correctly said there, it's all about the word trust. All right. So Gargana pointed to this fact that 82% of us really don't want facial recognition being used on the work computer to authenticate that it's us, that that biometric scan is a bridge too far, even if we're about to hold our iPhone up and have our face scanned so that it will unlock and use it for us. How do we negotiate that objection with the need for security? How do we find the balance point there? And look, that's the tricky one. As you say, first of all, it's the fear of the unknown, right? Mm. So it's it's something new and there's instant resistance. Then it's, it comes down to education and busting the myths. I and mean, I've actually written articles on this in the past. There's a lot of misinformation about biometrics. So we've got to bust the myths. We've got to educate people as to what it's about, but we've also got to find the balance. We've got to, uh, so let's just take, for example, the face recognition on my work laptop. Mm -hmm. If I'm just sitting there wondering, is the the camera on? Is the camera on? Well, that's not going to be a a good work environment. However, if a little screen pops up and says, David, we're going to uh, do a quick face recognition check in three, two, one, and I look at the camera and it goes, thanks, David, that's that's excellent. Right? And that happens two or three times during the day. I'm not going to have any issues with that because I know what's going on. There's been education as to why it's being done. And I understand what's going to happen with the information. Right. And it's completely transparent. You know when it's happening, you're prepared for it, right? So it's all of that stuff where it feels very much like informed consent. Absolutely. And this and this and in the informed consent is I think the important thing. So we need, first of all, clear policy, right? Clear policy that's written on to take into account both the employer and the employee's needs, right? There needs to be compliance with that policy. So we don't mm. now, once we say we're just going to do this three times a day to check that it's you, David. Well, you don't suddenly want to find out that it's 16 times a day or that it's being used for something else. So we need clear compliance with that policy. And we need perhaps a willingness to adapt on both sides, right? I need to be able to say that, okay, I've got the ability to work from home. I don't need to take sick leave because my child is sick and can't go to school. So there's a big advantage to me. I don't need to use my sick leave. But it's a big advantage to my employer because I'm not, in fact, offline. I can just work from home and keep an eye on my sick child. So, you know, there's pros and cons to both sides, and we need to make sure that both sides are willing to step up and change. But I think notification, that clear, informed consent, I think is the critical thing. 
Is, and is this also perhaps the idea of also being able to give people options? It's like, yes, sometimes the webcam's fine, but really not today. Can I use uh, something like a fingerprint reader that might be built into my laptop? Is that also the kind of thing that gives the employee the feeling that they have some agency around this? Look, absolutely. I, I'm, I always say, what's the problem we're trying to solve? Mm. Okay, we're, we're not trying to figure out if I'm sitting there typing out 30 words a minute, okay? We, we're all sort of, if I'm working from home, then we're going to be outcome-based for our productivity measurement, right? Did I achieve the work? Am I uh, earning my money? Good. So what we're actually trying to figure out is, is it, David, sitting at the computer accessing all of this sensitive information through the government or private mm-hmm. industry? So there's multiple ways we can do this. And in fact, this is where uh, Unisys drinks its own champagne. We have multi-factor authentication back to our phones, one of the things that we're going to be implementing as an option, and key point here is an option, is face recognition. So I can opt to get, receive a message, opt to use an authenticator app, or opt to use face recognition if I want. Now, being the sort of technology person I am, I will immediately go to <laughs> face recognition. Mm-hmm. I've even got it in my new car, right, <laughs> that recognizes it's me and moves the seat to the right place. So I'm really comfortable with it, and I understand that a lot of people aren't. And I guess this also, because this is the hot new normal, you know, when we're talking about the 2024-2025 report, this is probably going to have faded into the background because people will be used to it. Absolutely. The one thing that they're not getting used to or getting comfortable with is the concept of identity fraud. You know, mm. both uh, yourself and Leon have brought up issues around the, the card not present fraud. And for the last five years, identity uh, fraud has been the top or second top concern for the Unisys Security Index. And there's a reason for that. And because we see the newspapers screaming $2 billion worth of identity fraud occurring. And a lot of this, and that's why we use identity fraud, not identity theft. Nobody can steal your, your identity, but they can misuse your identity information. And your bank card uh, situation was exactly a case of that. All yeah. they need is your bank card number and your name. Uh, and the expiry date, and they can get that from a fraudulent transaction, bang, they can start using it. This is where we're starting to see Apple Pay and Google Pay become very, very common, uh, and uh, PayPal, for example, because it's not just the username and password, but it's actually utilizing the biometrics on your device as that secondary form of authentication for the payment. Right. And it was interesting because when I asked my bank whether my Apple Pay on that card was going to stop working, they said, no, it will continue to work just fine because it's using a different authentication mechanism. All right. Part of being transparent is clearly working to demystify the technology, right? And I think particularly around all of this identity fraud that will become more common around working from home, working from anywhere, hybrid work. How do both, I think, employers and employees need to start to frame that conversation so that both parties can get what they need from it? I think education, I think both Gagana and Leon have have talked about this. It's about education. It's about uh, engaging with your employees, okay, And, and transparency, right, having those clear open conversations about what we're doing, why we're doing it, what are the boundaries, uh, because we are now really blurring the lines between work and home. Used to be I would pick up my gear, go into the office, set up, I'm now at work, okay? I finish, I come home, and uh, except for the occasional phone call or whatever, that was it. We had nice clear delineations between work and home. 
that's not the case anymore. I have uh, people coming to my uh, study, children working from home, etc. So up until recently, I had children homeschooling. So it's a matter of making sure that employees understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, what the boundaries are, and living to those boundaries, both of us, right? So not installing insecure software onto our laptops Mm. because it happens to be convenient, not using that my face for some other purpose. (laughs) It's setting those boundaries and staying within the boundaries uh, and busting the myths. And that's the uh, the other key uh, thing. All right, David, my final question, because you keep on talking about these boundaries, is the negotiation of those boundaries going to become part of our new employment contracts? Yeah, actually, I I think it is. When we're dealing with people who can work remotely, right? If you're a retail worker, you're going to be in there in the shop. Um, But for talking about people who now want to work from home, that absolutely will be a point of negotiation when you're bringing people on. What are your policies around working from home? What expectations do you have of me? Uh, And now I want to know that from a, where where are the boundaries of my working day uh, Mm. for picking up children from school, cooking dinner, taking children to school? So I will expect to see some flexibility for my employer around my working hours and expectations. But I'll have to also then be able to offer in return that, okay, as long as you're comfortable that I'm not available at this point of time, but I'll be available from eight until nine o'clock, for example. There will be that expectation of, well, we're going to implement this form of security. And it needs to be commensurate to the risk, right? It needs to be appropriate and it needs to be have those boundaries set. And so, yes, I believe there will be negotiations, especially for those sort of senior positions or the positions where you can work from home around the give and take on what form of security, what form of monitoring is going to be there. Thanks, David. Very welcome. The middle years of the 2020s will see individuals and organizations in a continuous negotiation, David just pointed to this, around our new hybrid forms of work. That change has already come. We need to adapt to it. And adaptation, it always increases anxiety because it demands the mastery of new skills. It demands that we reinvent our business models. And that's going to create quite a bit of tension. It already has. And the fact is that we feel like we're being watched Whether or not we are, that's how we feel, and that adds to the tension. And it's a tension that's already showing up in something that's being called the great resignation. Highly skilled employees all across the world, they are quitting their jobs, and they're going in search of organizations that are listening, that are tuned in to their needs. And the organizations that have learned how to listen, they are already reaping an incredible reward of talent. Now, that is coming at the expense of organizations that are failing to adapt. And those organizations, they're already beginning to suffer from staff shortages that are crippling their ability to perform. Organizations that embrace change will thrive. In this decade, fortune favors the flexible. Now, as always, our best resources lie with each other. We can and we must learn how to trust one another in our work environments as we come to emphasize outcome over output, safety and solidarity, and support 
over surveillance. Now, to thrive, organizations need to learn three key qualities, transparency, trust, and empathy. That begins with connecting. We need to remember that we all have fears for the future, often nothing more than the fear of the unknown. Big thanks to Leon Sayers, Gargana Windsor, and David Chadwick for helping us to better understand the 2021 Unisys Security Index. If you'd like to learn more about the Unisys Security Index and how Unisys can provide solutions to enhance the security of your organization, please go to unisyssecurityindex.com. This is Mark Pesci, thanking you for listening. Well, that brings to a close our three-part series on the impact of security practices on employee experience. I'd really like to thank Mark Pesci. He's the host of the Next Billion Seconds that you heard, and David Chadwick of Unisys for taking a look into the near future. Now, you can access the 2021 Unisys Security Index survey results at a link that I will include in the show notes. Now, will their predictions regarding the use of biometrics come to fruition? Well, as you've heard, some of these trends are already here in the consumer world. When might they show up in your digital workplace? I'd love to hear your thoughts. This is the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. Thank you for listening.